0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform with clients in over 20 Broadway shows and stages across the globe like the West End in London, Australia, and collegiate theaters across the country. We are your one-stop shop for all things theater and fitness. So if you want to work with me on an interactive fitness app, Head on over to builtforthestage.com and check it out. All right, let's move on to our exciting guest. I actually ran into them in the Sherbert Alley outside of their uh, their theater uh, at this little show called Some Like It Hot. Um, You might have heard of it. It's one of everyone's favorites. Uh, I believe it was nominated for 13 Tonys. Um, Our guest, aside from being in Some Like It Hot, is a... Broadway legend, if you will, The Prom, The Producers, Something Rotten, Big Fish, Catch Me If You Can't, Young Frankenstein, Annie Gear Gun, Chicago, Sunset Boulevard, Crazy For You, and the Will Rogers Follies. I mean, come on. Please welcome to the podcast, Angie Schwar
2: And the- Hiya, Joe. The A standing ovation. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yes. Thank you for standing. up. Thank
0: you so much for taking the time to chat with me. It's a a Thursday when we're recording. How have shows been this week? Anything interesting going on over there? Any, uh,
2: no, nothing, nothing new and crazy. We're holding steady. The audiences are always on their feet. I say they levitate out the door after they hear this score and see this show. Um, yeah. Uh, We're we're holding steady and having a good summer. And I mean, the audiences are just going crazy. What can I say?
0: Yeah, honestly, going into it, I didn't know much about it or what to expect, especially since it's a a, an original story or musical. um, And I was just glowing uh the entire time it it is my style i love this style of musical theater uh, if you will a more like traditional musical theater up there um so i was just beaming um yeah before we jump into some like it hot let's do something i like to call the bfts hot seat i guess no pun in- oh. no pun intended there with the uh you know title, like title, title of your show yeah so i'm gonna put on a little cheesy music here i'm gonna Put on uh, this hot seat right there. All right. We're going to get started here. Simple stuff like foods, movies, music, just going to have some fun. All right. We're watching cable on TV. We're not watching, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime, anything like that. We're watching cable. You're flipping through the channels. What's a movie that always stops you where you're like, you know what? I've seen this movie a hundred times, but I can't help but watch it again.
2: Pretty well.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Amazing. Uh, you're having a little bit of a sluggish day, and you need to play a particular song that's gonna like just get you going, make you feel happy, all the vibes. What's one of those songs?
2: Um, um, King of Anything, uh, Sarah Bareilles.
0: Amazing. Okay, you're I don't know going to like a family holiday party or just like uh some close relative or friend of yours. Who makes your favorite like food dish that you're like you know what Aunt Sally's so and in- like what what is that what is that uh, meal for you?
2: My sissies, my sissies, beer cheese. Okay, let's go <laughs> beer cheese. There's there's no beer in it, but it's like you know you dip a nice everything bagel in it. I love I love dippy okay, things. Okay,
0: amazing, amazing. Okay. You uh, have a time machine. You can go to any decade and any place. Where are you going to travel to past, present, future? What are you going to do?
2: The 60s is my favorite era. Um, um and I wasn't an adult in that era (laughs) believe it or not (laughs) so it'd be the 60s because I love the style clothing I don't know 60s palm springs okay amazing
0: cool 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 (laughs) you're not a performer what would you be doing
2: well I I told my late father I always wanted to be a doctor so he was a doctor Mm. so and we used to watch Quincy together which is a forensic pathologist so I don't know, now as an adult, not a forensic pathologist, but a doctor. Dancing doctor.
0: (gasps) A dancing doctor. You know what? I think we all need that in our life because no one, you know, as amazing as doctors are, we typically don't want to go to them per se because (laughs) of what's going on. So a dancing doctor to kind of lighten the mood would-
2: and then maybe you wouldn't get the white coat disease when you take when i take your blood pressure
0: absolutely i'm with that i'm with that okay uh last question you're reincarnated on this earth as an animal what animal are you going to be cat okay all right why are we going to be a cat
2: a long-legged lady cat okay
0: okay just prancing about okay got it all right congratulations you're off the bfts hot seat yay
2: Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh where are you originally from? What's your your home state?
2: I'm from a little town called Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. Northern Kentucky. So so my metropolis growing up was Cincinnati, right across the Oh river.
0: wow, Cincinnati's I mean, jeez. I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, which is the other side of the world of of Cincinnati, but okay. I, we, uh, we Ohioans will call it no offense to any Cincinnati people out there, but we'll call it Cincinnati. That's what we'll call the Natty.
2: Oh, yeah. that's what you call Cincinnati. So <laughs> my, my, that's what you call Cincinnati. Cincinnati? Maybe it's just, uh,
0: oh, no. maybe it's a couple of wrong little areas that we would spend our time in. Maybe that's, maybe yeah, that's the absolutely.
2: Issue. Um, and then right. A, so I grew up in Fort Mitchell, which is about probably eight minutes from your Cincinnati. <laughs> um, but my, uh, my dance studio, growing up was in Covington which is literally right across the hmm. river from Cincinnati. Yeah yeah yeah. Um so and it up until the pandemic it was still open. My dance teacher is 91 and was still teaching until the pandemic. The pandemic closed this little studio. Oh wow. So that's where I that's where I started and that's where I always say i i learned my style yeah yeah
0: (laughs) nice well one of my great friends jen nobles from cincinnati shout out jen and she's an amazing person so cincinnati you know it does some
2: how you're trying to make up for some great things for me honestly for me
0: honestly like i don't i don't have anything against it just it's this kind of this ohio thing that people call it that you know um
2: you know, yeah. Everybody's got their little nicknames for things. All right,
0: but let me let me run away from that. All right, so you're okay. you were born in the blue, in the bluegrass state of Kentucky. Yeah. When do the arts uh, start in your life?
2: Well, the arts, as far as my dance started when I was five because I started taking at Zigler's Dance Studio in Covington. My sister um, w- was already dancing, and I couldn't start. They wouldn't take you until you were five, but I would go watch her. And then my dance teacher's daughter, Laurie Ziegler, started teaching me cartwheels in the backyard. She, she started early because she was the dance studio's, you know, daughter. Mm. And so she started teaching me tricks in the, on the lawn. And then when I was five, I finally started taking dance. So dance, dance of the arts has been part of my life for a million years. But then um, I guess when I went to, I was a gymnast too. I was a cheerleader. You know, I did all the things. But I went, when I went to college, I went to a little, ta- a little college, Northern Kentucky University mm. um, in, uh, in Kentucky. And that's when I started the musical theater thing. That's when someone said, you know, you have to learn how to speak and sing and do all the things. Because I was really a, just a dancer. I shouldn't say it like that. A dancer. But that's what I love to do. And so that's when I started sort of on the musical theater track. Yeah. Okay. So late. You know, kind of late.
0: No, yeah. So you're in college when you act- wait. So what did you go initially for school for? For call and no.
2: no, I but I went to get a bachelor's of fine arts, but I am um, but I'm saying I really didn't do any other acting and singing. Okay, no, I lie. So in high school, we did the play Alice in Wonderland. I was a bird. Okay, I think I had one line I wasn't Alice in Wonderland, I was a bird. Got it. Um, So, but yeah, so it wasn't until college where I had, we kind of learned to, to uh, start singing and speaking and acting.
0: Okay. And then did the red carpet just get rolled out for you right then? And then (laughs) you're on Broadway or what was that?
2: Heck no. Heck no. Um, I did do my first big part in college though. In the, in the summer dinner theater, I was Lois in Kiss Me Kate. That was my first sort of bite of the musical theater moment where that's a perfect character for me because you just do a little bit of everything. You don't have to be like the greatest park and barker. You know, you don't have to stand and sing an aria. You get to dance, you get to act, you get to sing, which is kind of what I do, a little bit of everything. Mm. So that's when I got the little bug of that. But I did, um, in the summer, I went and did Bush Gardens. That was my first professional gig. The German show, Williamsburg. Uh, I went back another summer and did the indoor show. Then I went to Disney. I worked at Disney for a long time. I was a showgirl in Atlantic City. I was a showgirl in Japan. I went back and opened up MGM Studios. And then from MGM Studios, I got the red carpet. Not really, but I did. I flew up and auditioned for Rod uh, via a friend of mine who said, I think you should come and audition for this show because Tommy John's Women that are over five eight. I'm almost five eleven, so I was like, check, got that. Um, but I did. I flew up an audition for the Will Rogers Follies and got it, gave my two weeks notice at Disney and have been here ever since. mean, that was 32 years ago. Amazing.
0: Okay, so when you were doing all these gigs leading up to Will Rogers Follies, you were still like on Cloud Nine loving it, or was there a bit of like a you know, heaviness of earning your stripes per se, what was that experience like for you? Mm,
2: you know what? It's never been that for me. It's always it's always sort of um I don't know how the right way to say it. I was never like this is the end all for me. I have to be on Broadway. Right? Mm. I knew so many people that had moved to New York and and weren't working and they were way more talented than I am. And so I thought, I'm just going to work where I can work. Yeah. So I never I never was mad about it. I, I never regretted that I'm in Japan or Atlantic City and not on Broadway. It's just sort of my path. Mm. Um. So I just kind of said yes to things. And, and as far as working at Disney on that property, it, uh, I was the dance captain. I was a swing. I did five shows a day. I did other convention shows. I made money for my age and that time. And I loved it. It was a great company to work for. I put a down payment on a house. I was going to live in Orlando and work for Disney because I loved it so much. Awesome. And then when I got my first Broadway show, I pulled the down payment and I moved here. (laughs) But yeah, I never, it was never a, oh God, this is what I'm doing now. It was just, I just loved it. I loved whatever work, I could get, and it was just how my my life sort of panned out. Yeah,
0: would you say that Broadway kind of came to you because you weren't pressing so much?
2: Well, I mean, who's who's to say how that all worked out? I mean, in a way, I guess you could say I've kind of been one of the luckiest people in showbiz because uh, because of my stature, I went. I was in the Susan Stroman era. You know, she loved her tall showgirls, right? I hit that, I just happened to hit that. Um, so, you know, now if I was coming in, maybe I wouldn't work so much, you know, because I'm, listen, no one wants to see me do some hip hop. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I think it was just where I kind of hit in, sure. the, in the, the history of the Broadway. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I I think it was just the way my story Landed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, th- I think just to pull a coaching point out of this, like, uh, right time, right place. Sure. Uh, you know, God given things like height. Sure. But you still had to do work to step through the door. You still had to show up and hone your craft your whole entire life, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What other than you saying like, Hey, I, I hit the, the right height or the right era of my style of Uh, dance expertise, what other things would you attribute your consistency to?
2: Um, Well, the longevity and consistency of it sort of, I think we can all agree starts from your physicality and um, listen, you know, I still am doing eight shows a week and it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But in order to do that, I still take my Deborah jazz class three to four times a week in order to offset what I do eight shows a week. And I've done that consistently you know, almost the entire time I'm here. Um, I did the producers. The producers was my longest running show. And as we know, the most decorated um, pony award-winning show in history and uh, so far and um, through that entire time I did the entire time I did a couple years in the ensemble I did the first national as ULA I did the last four years on Broadway as ULA through that whole time I t- took my pro jazz class it's a great warm-up um, she does an adage you know with a front double play side back you know and it's sad what you do h what your body does eight shows a week so You know, I'm knocking on wood right now. It's sort of what's helped my consistency. And as far as, you know, you said what helped your consistency. But yeah, uh, keep having to keep your head up, having to have a tough skin, having to, you know, as much as someone can say, oh, look at all the shows you've done and look at what you've done. And I've not just done Broadway. I do regional theater in between. But you have to realize there's a 100,000 no further interests in between there. Mm. And keeping a tough skin to deal with that is also a part of the consistency. Because yeah, you know, I think the the great outweighs the, you know, the bad, but keeping your head up and keeping your tough skin is also part of the consistency and just knowing what you have to offer. You know, and it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And and realizing that and still being able to stay positive. Um, is another part of the consistency.
1: Yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. not being everyone's cup of tea would you also attribute success to like still staying true to yourself so that you weren't walking into an audition room trying to be who you thought they would be or what they thought you would want them to be and then because i feel like sometimes people won't book because they weren't themselves and were trying to be someone else and if they were just themselves that would have been the time that they booked
2: no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's it's hard. Listen, I, I, I don't ever think I've been a great auditioner my whole life. I don't do it much anymore, but I've just never, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. And I'm a social person. Like I can talk to anybody, but there's something about feeling that you got to enter the room and you've got to be, and, it, and everything goes out the window. Um, if I can, I'll just tell a quick little story about an audition. It's one of my favorite audition stories. I was going in to replace in Sunset Boulevard, and um, I had on fishnets because it was a harem. You know, it was like a harem girl, and you played. Uh, I, I, I played a couple movie stars in this track, whatever. So I had on some fishnets, and they said, oh, will you come in and sing first? It was an invited call. So I grabbed my – I thought I was dancing first, but I grabbed my backpack, and it was a leather backpack. I don't know. It was in the 90s. Leather backpack with buckles on it, and the buckle got caught on my fishnet. So I was supposed to enter the room, but I was kind of caught. So I didn't want to not enter the room. So I kind of walked in the room with my backpack and my fishnets, and I was caught. And I said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. My backpack's caught on my thing. And I was like this, and I was laughing. And um, one of the, the PSM at the time uh, said to um, the, the uh, associate choreographer, to my friend Jody, he said, who is that? Hire her. Hmm. Before I even did anything. So the
0: production stage manager hired you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, I mean, I still had to dance and I still had to sing. And, um, uh, but it's true. You just, I just entered the room with all of my, but with no, like, oh, here I am. Right. I'm doing, I'm being grand. Yeah. You know, not that that's how I entered room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but you, everything was just sort of down. Yeah, yeah, you
0: being a relatable human was the the breath of fresh air that, you know, everyone behind the table was looking for.
2: Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, but I got the job.
0: Hey, there you go. Uh, you had said, like, you need to have tough skin. Um, besides just saying that to yourself throughout the years of like, hey, you have to have tough skin. What are like some tangible either practices mindset wise or just like habitual routine stuff like how does one have tough skin
2: honestly i don't know i don't i don't i'm not i don't have like a meditation routine or a thing i do like my quiet time i like i need to shut down you know at night it's sort of i just need to shut down whatever that means for me whether it's um an episode of friends (laughs) just being quiet A lot of times after my show, my husband's in bed anyway because, you know, our show, especially our late shows, um, I need to shut down. And I like my quiet time. I, I like keeping my voice quiet because, you know, yapping over loud music and being out, like I have to be careful with that stuff. But I think it's just my upbringing. Yeah. I, had, I grew up with four brothers um, and a father who really just made me feel um like a queen and not in an arrogant way not in um not in an overly i don't know pompous way or whatever they just i just they just made me an independent person that's all, that's all i can mm-hmm. say having five great male people right so i never felt like i needed to have um, that, that so I think in a way it just gave me an innate sensibility of just being a confident person. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I know, and I know my strengths. You know, and you said walking into a room trying to be somebody. I'm the first person that thinks I'm not. Oh, I'm not good enough to do that. Oh, I'm not good enough to do that. But I do know what my strengths are, and I do know what my weaknesses are. And I think just. Knowing that and knowing, as my friend David Hibbard would say, knowing your colors, it gives you a just a self-confidence. And again, not to be confused with arrogance, a self-confidence that that can, can kind of keep you afloat. And guess what? You know what? You didn't get that one. And I call it the audition aftermath. When I would go to an audition, and I would be like, oh, I should have done that. Oh, I should have done that. And you think about it and you run over and it's the worst yeah. it's just the worst and they say oh don't take it personal but how can you not take in it personal it's about you you know you're too tall you're too old you're too this you're not a good enough singer whatever it is you of course you take it personal yeah. but i think the love of it and then the great moments you know seeing the marquee up on the broadway show you know seeing the marquee up for your broadway show the greatness of those moments helped Outweigh it, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think anyone that has achieved great success has to, you know, dance that fine balance between confidence and humility for sure. Um, and there are those who are more favored towards the confident side, which would then make them arrogant. And but yet they well,
2: and and listen. I mean, I'm not saying that it's. I'm not saying it's not the way, and that it's not helpful. Right. You yeah. know. Um, Maybe that's why I'm not a star. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's just, I, I I don't regret one moment of everything, anything I've done all these years. Like, you know, to to ever, I mean, except with the exception of the pandemic, I I say it took thirty years and a pandemic to end my career. But with the exception of the pandemic, um, I've been able to make a living a, of what I love to do, yeah. and for me. It's Casey Nicola, you know, I don't care if I'm in the back corner of the stage, create just creating whatever that is, you're a part of it, you're on the stage, you're on the Broadway stage. And, you know, to me, there's just there's joy in that. Um, and to be paid to do what you love.
0: Right. Okay, so with all those experiences, now that you're experiencing some like it hot, is there anything different about this one or special? Uh You know, or would you say each experience has been different and has held, you know, different places in your heart from show? show? I
2: think, yeah, I mean, I think the prom and, um, and, and, uh, some like it hot are both Casey Nicolau productions. You know, I'm like, I'm a Nicolau girl, Mm. um, now, but, um, I think that both of them, because I started with them on the ground up, Mm. Right. Well, so Mark and Scott are my good friends. They wrote the music. I did Catch Me If You Can with them. I worked on the ground up with that. And when I say ground up, they had already written the song. So they had, you know, they were a couple years before I got on board with it. Right. So I kind of did that with them. They're like family to me. So now I get Casey and Scott and Mark in Some Like It Hot working on it from the ground up. The day after we opened prom, Casey says, hey, will you come and read all the women in Some Like It Hot? So I've been, since we once we opened prom, I started working on this. So to me, that is special because Casey is a friend and I've watched him. We were two shifts to pass and then I've been crazy for you. He had left crazy for you and I came in on Broadway. So we never got to perform together, but I've just known him and known of him my whole New York life, basically. So it's really special to get to do these projects with him when he's given me a heads up on, hey, we're writing this character and we call her Angie, you know, for the prom, right? So it just makes it a little more personal, a little more special and knowing that somebody, you are somebody's cup of tea for a minute, that somebody is looking out for you, somebody is knows your strengths and is working, you know? And that's how Minnie came about because she didn't exist I mean, Minnie was always the drummer, but she wasn't the band manager. And so that kind of part kind of came about too. Hmm. So they're special in that way because he, Casey, for some reason, has just been, you know, uh, a a great uh, champion for me. I don't know why, but um, it makes it just all the more special.
0: Cool, cool.
2: They're like family, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Family, family that you don't want to disappoint and you very much respect. (laughs) Mm.
0: Hey, talking about, you know, circles and just the importance of the people you have around you, ones that make you or inspire you to be better. I mean, I don't know if there's anything more valuable than that. Uh,
2: You're absolutely right.
0: It's one thing to have yourself push yourself, but it's another thing to want to make sure that you're Uh, giving due justice, I guess, to the close ones around you that are also depending on you in a way, you know?
2: Yeah, and listen, we all went through a horrible two two and a half years, whatever that was. Uh, You know, I don't even want to think about it. And what he also, besides making, being creative and being respectful and being collaborative, besides all of that, there is joy, there is laughter, and that there is nothing more than any of us need right now than that. Yeah. And to get to have that in a room, listen, I don't want it any other way. I've been doing this a long time. So I don't want to, I don't want to walk in a room and feel bad about myself. I don't want to be joyless. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's all of that. And then you get the little cherry on top, yeah. the happiness, the joy, right. Yeah. Which is what you feel when you walk out of the Theater of some like and happen.
0: Yes. All right. So to wrap up, you said earlier when you were telling the uh, book bag caught on the fishnet story, you said, you know, if I could tell a story, and I and I thought to myself, Angie, you can tell as many stories as you want to tell. That's what that's what we're here for. I want to pass the mic to you. And do you have any other like uh, stories from your career that are like, wow? You know, when I sit around having drinks with friends or family. Where I want to share something, this is a story that I, I love to share.
2: Well, um, I, I did share this in a crazy free, we did a crazy for you, um, day where we, um, taught a number from crazy for you. And then Stroh was with us and we did talk back Susan Stroman. And so I do have this great Stroh story that I love. I auditioned for the producers and I had already done crazy for you with Stroh. So we, I knew her, right? I had done the first national tour and the last year and a half on Broadway of crazy for you. So we knew each other, but I auditioned for, um, the producers and we all know what the producers is about. And there's that number called springtime for Hitler in there. So we do the dance combo. She always liked to throw a cartwheel in there. I don't know. She just wanted to see if people could tumble and I could, even though I'm nine feet tall and, um, we did, we did the combo and I kind of turned or pivoted the wrong way, but my, but my button and the button is the button, the, f- the final pose of the number, you could do whatever you wanted. So I did a jump split and a Heil Hitler, right? That was my, that was my button, but I kind of messed up in the combo. So after we, I stood up, I said, Stro, I need a do-over. And she said, Angie, it's all about the button. I think she said it's all about the button baby but I'm gonna add baby it's all about the button and um I got the job but I'm saying it's that's the you know it's that last moment that you leave your last impression right and I'm a huge I love buttons of numbers I don't know like sometimes when you see a button of a number you're like oh my god I want to do that number I don't know what it is in me I don't know if it's and and uh, crazy for you, uh, I got rhythm. The button of that number—it was just the longest number ever, and it was just the greatest feeling. Mm. So anyway, it's all about the button, baby.
0: Can I make a T-shirt about that?
2: Yeah, sure. Can we make an? Although I don't know what people <laughs> think you're talking about. But- I
0: mean, th- this shirt's only for us in the industry. They'll know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> Honestly, because like,
2: we have to get one for stroke. That's
0: uh, of course. No doubt. That's life though. You know, that's the career. That's everything like, hey, the journey isn't always the prettiest, but it's, it's how you finish is what's most important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or there's that great poem called the dash.
0: I don't know. it. I don't know. it.
2: It's called the dash. Look it okay. up. And it's all about, this is the date you were born. This is the date that you pass. And it's all about the dash in between. It's a very, very oh, lovely poem. Oh, okay. 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 If I, if I, I'd have to Google it to tell you who wrote it, but you can just Google it, and it's great, and it's all about what's in between.
1: All right, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: But then that just sort of offset what we said about it being the button. But <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's all. It's all well, oh okay. yeah, I mean, <laughs>
0: I, I, I usually like to say.
2: It's all. Uh, all in common. I like to
0: say uh, the journey is, or, you know, it's a quote. It's not mine, but the, jer- okay. the journey is the destination, you know?
2: Okay, great. Then that puts it all together. Yeah,
0: but, uh, it's, it's all about, it's all about the button, baby. That's,
2: that's, that's our, uh, <laughs> going to have, that's your new build for the right stage. Here.
0: We'll have, we'll have, I'll ask you to write out your signature. We'll put it, we'll put it right there. We'll send Stro on. <laughs> I mean, you think I'm joking. I'm going to be hitting you up after this. Like, Hey, let's, okay. let's get it going.
2: Okay. <laughs> she said, she said, okay. She'll love it. <laughs> She'll love it.
0: Just make sure it's black. Okay, black. Uh, she
2: likes to wear black. White text? Sure. Okay,
0: cool, cool. All right, we're designing right now. All right, amazing. Angie, thanks so much for your time.
2: Thanks, Joe.
0: All right, that's Angie Schwar from Some Like It Hot. Make sure you follow Angie on Instagram. It's simply her name. Great branding there. We'll put that in the description of this episode. I'm Joe Roscoe with Bill for the Stage. Actors are athletes. Train like one.